It's the Healthy Woman Show on WJR with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, we have an interesting and fun show for the month of May. Well, there's the two M's we're focusing on, Anne, uh, what we can do in Michigan from May moving forward, and how do we take care of the moms and the women in our life? So it should be fun. It'll be great. We've got Dave Lorenz, the Vice President of Travel Michigan, joining us. The Eastern Market is bustling and has come up with a very clever COVID-safe plan. Our resident therapist, Claire Hogan, is joining us, and Dr. Edelson is going to help us with bone health. All of that coming up next on WJR's Healthy Woman Show. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with Dave Lorenz, the Vice President of Travel Michigan. Dave, here we are at Greenfield Village on a rainy spring day, but you are really looking forward to getting back to traveling again. Yeah, absolutely uh, looking forward to getting back to travel. You know, a little bit of rain, uh, we need it, just like we need to be able to get outside and travel again. And we need to be able to do that safely. So that's uh, all on us. You know, everybody's looking to the politicians who are, you know, making the decisions on capacity levels and all. But the reality is we're not going to get through this thing until we all take the safety protocol seriously. We uh, do what is right for everybody else and think about other people. Because that's really what the safety protocols are all about. It's not necessarily uh, anybody saying, you know, do you th- do these things to keep yourself safe. As much as it is, uh, just to say, listen, let's see this as yet another way to care for other people. So uh, the great news is it is getting warmer. Uh, there are going to be some beautiful days ahead in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because we're going to be able to get back to normal before you know it. Well, let's talk a little bit about traveling safely. I know you've been out and about and traveling safely for several months now. So what are the recommendations to be safe? Yeah, I think everybody has heard, you know, the the basic protocol things, uh, distancing as much as possible, wearing a mask. Uh, Certainly when you're close to people you don't know. You know, it's one of those things. If you're, you know, with your family, of course, you're with them all the time. Uh, So, uh, you know, if everybody's been vaccinated, you're all safe there. No problem. Keep your hands clean, which is something we shouldn't even have to say, right? And then the big one is, and this is one that I had to learn because I was one of these people. If I got sick, I would still go into work because I was going to get it done. And, you know, I never really thought about it. But now, if you're sick in any way, I think going forward, we need to really reevaluate this whole thing about even we have a head cold, is it really smart to be with other people and pass that on. So if you're sick, just stay home. It's really that simple. If you do these things, you can get out there, as I have been, and enjoy the many beautiful things to see and do all around Pure Michigan. So let's talk a little bit about traveling in Michigan. I have heard that it's going to be a very busy season. So 
tell us what you're seeing already. Yeah, it is going to be very busy. You know, we've had uh, all this pent-up demand that's natural at this time of the year. We had a long winter. People, uh, a lot of times, just stay inside. And now that they can travel with uh, the warmer weather, they're going to want to do that. On top of the fact that many people didn't do anything last year. They stayed home uh, because that's what they felt comfortable doing. And now, as they feel comfortable to get out, it's going to be really busy. A lot of people are going to still stay in the state as well uh, because that's one of the, um, the, the things they're going to be more comfortable about. That means there's going to be less availability out there in every way. Uh, there are going to be fewer hotel rooms available for the dates that you're looking for, fewer campsites available, and maybe fewer places where you want to stay as a, a certain destination. So how do you deal with that? You book early, you do your research. We always say your trip begins at Michigan.org. And what we mean by that is, you know, do some advanced work, do some research in advance, kind of figure out a little bit about the places you want to go to before you go there. I think it makes it a much more enriching experience and then learn about them and really experience them when you get there. But if you don't make your bookings now, I'm afraid you're going to be left out. So what about employees? I know one of your concerns is that many businesses are looking for help. They need people to come and work again. So how will that affect travel and tourism in Michigan this summer? I'm afraid that that means, especially in some of our big resorts, that they may not be able to open fully, which again is another really good reason to, to book early. Uh, you know, these challenges are not just in the travel industry, that they're particularly felt in the travel industry because to some degree we're seasonal. You know, a lot of our, our jobs, especially in places like Mackinac Island, you know, they are quote-unquote open for six months out of the year, even though you can always go to the island uh, all year round. Uh, but it's going to be really difficult for the industry to find employees so that you can get out there. So um, I'm hoping that some of the policies change in D.C. Uh, where we're not simply just sending checks to people, but maybe we're coming up with a policy that incentivizes going back to work. And perhaps they can say, OK, you can make X amount of money without a, a federal tax penalty. And I'm hoping they come up with, with uh, policies like this. And I'm actually advocating for it. So that would help us get more employees for the travel industry, but actually it would help all around our economy. How does it feel to be talking about travel again and to be seeing people out and about, especially for you, because it was so tough last year? It was. Well, it's great to see you. It's great to see the whole team here. And um, it is rewarding to see people starting to free up and start to feel comfortable to get back out there again, because we're not meant to be caged up in our house. It's just, it's, it's not healthy for us. We do need to get out there, get that fresh air, you know, feel the sunshine, uh, really, truly appreciate life as it's meant to be. And I'm hoping that after this experience that we've gone through together, that perhaps we can simply be nicer to each other going forward. Because man, oh man, you know, between the politics and the inability to be with each other, I'm hoping that people will better appreciate the place that we live. Yeah, we're very blessed, not just here in Michigan, not just in the USA, but in a, a free country where we can do these things. Um, let's just hope that, that we better appreciate it. I know I certainly do. 
Now the vaccine. If people can get vaccinated, I know it's important that they do. If they're safely able to get it, they don't have any major health issues, we need that vaccine to get that travel industry back up and running. Yeah, we do. And and the thing is, uh, you know, I, I'm in West Michigan and uh, places like Meyer, they've been advertising for people to walk in. You will find that in most places around Michigan, uh, it's starting to get that way most places around the country as well. We are begging for people to come in and get the vaccination. Uh, it's it's doesn't hurt at all. I mean, I'm I'm, you know, afraid of needles, but I really am. I always have been. It's one big fear I've had. But this was the easiest thing I've ever done and one of the most important things for other people. So uh, I'm happy to have it for myself, but I'm also really happy to know it's very unlikely I'm going to pass this on to other people. So let's just hope people take advantage of all these opportunities. To be clear, because I've had these questions, these vaccines are free. You will not have to pay anything. Just get to these places, get your shots. If you have, uh, like the Pfizer uh, vaccine, for instance, you'll have two shots. Uh, and make sure to get that second shot as well. I'm hearing some people have just chosen not to get the second shot. I don't know. It's like, you know, going with two tires on a car. Uh, yeah, you can get there, but it's not, it's not a very comfortable ride. So I'm hoping that people will, will do that as well. You know what I love about what you're doing is that you're asking everybody to be safe when they travel. And that means not just the traveler, but the businesses. And I have a tendency to think that people will go to places where they know that they are being safe. They'll go to hotels that are following safety protocols. They'll go to restaurants that are following safety protocols. Is that what you're thinking too? Not only personally, but the research is showing it that people are much more likely to be traveling to places where they see those places are taking the safety protocols seriously. Not just at a specific place like a hotel or a restaurant, but as a community. So we've encouraged entire communities to take the Pure Michigan Pledge. And if you go to michigan.org, you can actually uh, find, uh, I think it's hundreds of communities, businesses, individuals, who have signed up to take the Pure Michigan Pledge, just to say, listen, I'm going to do these things that I've that I pledged to do to keep you safe. And I'll tell you, I feel much more comfortable to know that a, a business or a community is, is doing all they can to encourage safety. It's going to get me out there soon. And here's the thing. This is temporary. I know it seems like it's been a lifetime. It's only been a little bit more than a year. And if we do this right, this will come to an end sooner than it seems. So we need to just keep pressing, keep on pressing on until this is done, and then we can really celebrate. And the website where you want people to go yep. to travel this summer. We always say your trip begins at Michigan.org, and we really mean it. So do that planning in ahead. And, and, you know, at the very top of the page, it says travel safely in pure Michigan. Click on that and scroll down. You're going to see some travel safety videos. You're going to see a bunch of information. You'll see those communities and businesses have taken the Pure Michigan Pledge. Go there. Support them. Help them because those businesses need your, your support right now. Uh, your trip begins at Michigan.org. Dave Lorenz, Vice President of Travel Michigan, thank you for your time. Thank you, Ann. It's great to see you. Nice to see you. Especially in person. Yeah, true. <laughs> you are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back right after these messages. Listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I am here with Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, the founder of the center. And Dr. Carol, we now say hello to Dan Carmody, the Eastern Market President. And Dan, 
We wanted to get you on the show tonight because we love how clever Eastern Market and you are with regard to flower days. You're doing flower days and you're calling it Flower Tuesdays. Please explain. Well, you know, we're still in the shadow of this thing called uh, the pandemic or COVID-19 and gathering 80 to 100,000 of your closest friends together on the same day probably isn't good public health measure. And so instead of a traditional flower day for the second year in a row, we had to come up with a different model. And this year we wanted to jumpstart our Tuesday markets, which are a scale model of our Saturday markets. And they begin in June with our normal selection of food and other products. This May, four Tuesdays, the the 18th and 25th still to come, uh, just flowers. And so while it isn't a selection of flower day, it's highly convenient. You can get in, get out, get your flowers and get get them in the ground uh, in a lot less time. And so uh, we've had our first couple. They've gone well. uh, And we we encourage people to come on Tuesdays because it's uh, it's simpler. You can park nearby. It's a limited selection, but a good selection. And uh, we just think it adds another uh, way to shop for flowers in the Easter market. And Dan, what has the response been, both from the crowds, the people, and also your growers? Uh, people seem pleased. Again, it is a trade-off. Make no mistake. You're not going to get the selection you'll get on a flower day when it's 13 acres of planting, planting material uh, when the bell goes off at 6 o'clock in the morning. But it's a good selection, and it's much more convenient. Don't have to worry about parking to the extent you do at a normal flower day. Exactly. Now, what do you want people to do when they come? What type of safety measures should be taken? Well, whether it's Tuesdays or Saturdays, you know, you can't maintain a six foot distance when you're trying to, customers are trying to look at different products and inspect them. So please wear a mask and uh, just be mindful of uh, those around you. And Dr. Carroll, speaking of Saturdays, I think you had a good experience at Eastern Market. Well, I did. And I I have to tell you, my husband is so into these flower days and he's going to be very happy that uh, Tuesday, two Tuesdays are still available because we both have Tuesday off. And I remember on the flower days, if anyone knows me, I am not a morning person. So he would drag me out of bed at 7 a.m. to get the best flowers early, earlier in the day. Well, this May uh, first, we went in there and we made it a family event. And uh, all of us went in, did not happen to be 7 a.m. It was more like a 10 and I have got to tell you, I am so, pr- I've always been proud to be a Detroiter, but so proud to walk through Eastern Market and see all of the, the vendors and the flower people. And let me tell you something, everyone had a mask. So I was so impressed with how everybody cared about everybody else. And, and you know, everyone was you know, cur- courteous with each other. Everyone was... Yeah, I think the only thing was the, the six foot distance, but my gosh, who can do that when you have everyone around? But I was so impressed that there was not one person that I saw that did not have a mask on. And people were polite. People were just 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 so generous. And it was such a wonderful experience. Uh, not only did we get our flowers, but we got our people's pierogies. Um, being Polish, I have to plug the pierogies. Uh, they were amazing. And uh, I just really recommend that everyone go and experience uh, Eastern Market. And on a, I'd like to have you on another show or someone with you, uh, Dan, because I'm hearing there's a lot of new ideas and a lot of new developments happening at Eastern Market um, with regard to retail and restaurants. So I just it's just an exciting time to be a Detroiter and uh, you know, the flowers we got are already in our garden and they look beautiful. 
Well, you know, we have a little bit of advantage over a lot of people. Um, this is Eastern Market's second pandemic. So we're old enough that we were here for the Spanish influenza in 1918 and 1919. So we've had some practice. I'm just joking. <laughs> I wish we I wish we had records from that pandemic, but unfortunately we don't. And uh, But, you know, we, we've never closed during the pandemic, but we've really tried to strive to keep people safe when they do come because it's one of those few things uh, that people could do and, and felt fairly safe at. So we don't take that for granted. Uh, we, we do ask our customers to remember that uh, you're not going to be able to get six foot separation. So please wear a mask. Mm-hmm. But the thing was that's so impressive is that Detroiters care. The people who came down, you know, as a doc to see the people really cared about each other by wearing those masks outside. I was so I was so impressed. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's part of the spirit. Uh, you know, the Saturday market is is a bit of urban chaos. That's as delightful as you will find anywhere in the United States, and we're very proud of that. And so, Tuesdays again a little less chaotic. So we do know that people, families with small children or the elderly that don't like the hustle and bustle and jostling uh, of a of a typical Saturday market, let alone a flower day. Uh, Tuesdays are really uh, a nice alternative, but well, that's no, nothing t- nothing takes the place of that urban bustle that you find. Well, uh, Tuesday, I'm going to look for those red spiky things. Those are the only things my husband couldn't find. So maybe uh, maybe we'll find them on one of those Tuesdays. I wish I could help you with the Latin genus of the red spiky things. But <laughs> you're the doctor. Not me. I have no idea. <laughs> red spiky thing. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Carmody, president of Eastern Market. Thank you for your time. It was nice talking to you. My pleasure. Have a good week. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back right after this. As the pandemic continues, we continue to see research and hear stories about women struggling with jobs and family responsibilities. And frankly, More than 3 million women have dropped out of the job market. In April alone, 165,000 women around the country have dropped out of the job market. So we thought it would be a good idea to bring our resident therapist, Claire Hogan, back on the show, Carol, to talk about this and provide some advice for women. But first of all, Carol, you have found a very amusing and entertaining article about the difference between moms and dads. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, First of all, hopefully everyone had a very nice Mother's Day. And my sister sent this to me, and I do not know who the author is, but whoever it is, I'm giving credit to you. Uh, But it's so funny. The mom is the number one word spoken in the world. And this is what kids uh, say to mom versus dad. So these are the things that kids say to mom. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I'm hot. Can I have? I want to watch. Where are you? Can you ask dad? Can you help me? He hurt me. She hurt me. I want to go there. When are we? Why are we? Why can't we? And then what they say to dad, where's mom? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfectly said. So, you know, we are the, um, you know, the, 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 the center of the universe in the households. We do have two full-time jobs. So when we work outside of the home, when we work inside of the home. So I thought that really, you know, put it in a nutshell, is that we are juggling. So, Claire, the women are so amazing, and they're doing their best being uh, workers, wives, mothers. What can you offer them or tell them to 
to try to get through, you know, this pandemic so less women have to choose between, you know, families and their careers. Absolutely. Well, thanks. Thanks, first of all, Anne and Carol, just for having me on. Um, this is something I'm just so passionate about talking about is our women's health. Because, um, like you said, Carol, women are truly the heartbeat of a family. But more than that, we are powerhouses in in the workforce, in the economy. And so to hear those numbers, Anne, is just, it takes your breath away. Um, and it just highlights to us that um, we need to be finding ways to support our women and allowing some balance here. I think we're seeing it too, just as employers are allowing, um, I'm hearing more extensions in terms of the work from home options, which is just so unspeakably invaluable to parents who have lost childcare in any capacity and, and things like that. But what I wanted to focus on was just how do we emotionally develop resiliency and tenacity right now in a way that allows women to feel like they're above water um, because it is a fragile time and in the mental health field, overwhelmingly our women are, are feeling like they're drowning. It's such a fragile, fragile time. So um, for a long time, we use the word self-care a lot. It's kind of become a commercialized phrase. And for a long time, we've pocketed into things that might feel very non-accessible right now. So pedicures and massages and things that almost feel indulgent. It's funny when I talk to women about self-care, they'll often say they feel selfish for taking time for self-care. And so I think we're moving out of you know, a silver lining of COVID is it's moved us out of the commercial aspects of self-care and really postured it in a way where we need to be doing daily things that are not optional, but are ways to just keep us, keep us afloat, keep your mental health well, keep your physical health well during such a, an unpredictable time that we're living through. Um, so two things I always say that right now, self-care needs to be restorative and repairing. And again, we're coming out of fancy dinners or, you know, shopping excursions, because a lot of those things aren't even available to us. Um, but we need to be doing basic needs. So I always pivot people into the direction of three things. I say sun, air, and relationships. And those sound very elementary, very uh, limited in terms of, you know, what that would feel like in our own self-care realm. But they're they're life-changing when we find our ways to get some movement. Um, when we are getting sunlight, air, uh, and focusing on our relationships, we know that women tend to feel more stabilized in the day-to-day -day demands of childcare, child pickup, sports, uh, COVID, trying to work from home, things like that. When we are getting those three elements, we're getting more movement typically. So we're having deposits in our physical health. We're getting better sleep. There's more social capabilities just because as things are opening up, that's wonderful. Um, but for a long time, we haven't been able to see our friends, our family, and in social capabilities outside of going on a walk, you know, going to a park, things like that. And, and going back to basic needs, we take in more water when we're doing sunlight, air, and relationships. And so those are, again, you're seeing me shrink it into a really reasonable place for people. And then I, I always try to say, you need to be affirming, you need to be your own cheerleader during this time. And so making sure that every day you're asking yourself, what's one thing I'm proud of myself for today? 
or journaling, what am I grateful for? What are your short-term goals? And what that is doing is expanding the view out of the monotony of day in, day out, working from home, taking care of the, you know, making sure the homestead is is spinning correctly and everybody's needs are being met. Um, but how, how are you building yourself up? What does your self-talk sound like? What do your cognitions look like? Are you really self-critical? Would you talk to your friend in the same way that you would talk to yourself? And we need to be kind of changing the way our inner dialogue sounds because it's a huge part of how we feel and how we feel affects how we behave. So when I hear that, you know, does that mean that if you're working at home and you've got the kids, um, do you take your computer outside so you can get Mm -hmm. a little sunlight and a little fresh air? Do you take little breaks in your day, even though you feel like you almost can't? But to say, look, you know what, I've got this scheduled meeting here, scheduled meeting there. Maybe I put a, you know, a movie on for the kids, but I'm in the next room. And, and I take that 15 minutes to mm-hmm. read my favorite book, even if it's a chapter a day. Yes. Uh, how long does it take to read a chapter? Uh, maybe five, seven minutes, but it's that little thing with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee that they're occupied, but I'm doing something just for a small amount of time that I enjoy doing, Um, you know, you know, hit going on Amazon, which is really scary um, because it's like, you know, holidays and Christmas where you say, I wish, I wish you press it. It's there in two days, but maybe, you know, home facials or, you know, get the mask going and, and, you know, you can have a mask while you're doing your work, you know, soothing. I mean, those are things that, you know, maybe can be incorporated. That's kind of fun. They break up your day. And and again, going back to if we view it as not optional, like the, this would be just as important as sleeping, just as important as working out, you know, these small moments of diffusion, like you said, Dr. Kowalczyk, where it's just a break and it takes you out of the caregiving role and allows you just to, you know, pamper yourself a little bit in ways that might not seem seem traditional, but yeah, working outside, working in your garden for 10 minutes before a meeting. I found a really great app that I've been using myself called Breathwork, where probably four times a day it vibrates and it has me do a a breathing exercise that takes 60 seconds. And for the first week, I just kept swiping it up, like disregarding it. I was like, this, this is what, you know, this is how women get in that trap. We find ourselves just dismissing the time we could take for ourselves. And so I've been trying to be really consistent when it reminds me to do it, to take 60 seconds. And I feel so different at the end of it. And so you're absolutely right. Just finding what are three things that are your, your guilty pleasures or things that allow you to feel nurtured and finding ways to tuck that into your day. You know, it's funny, that breathing thing, it sounds kind of weird, Yeah. Uh, but you know, it works. I mean, you sit there and you do the, the slow breathing in and then the slow breathing out, you know, it lowers your blood pressure, mm-hmm. it lowers your heart rate mm-hmm. and, and it, you feel, you yes. feel it physically calming you. And yeah. you would think that the three slow breaths that they tell you about, you're like, ah, oh, come on, I got yeah. No, it's, 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 it's crazy that it, it, that it does make you feel calmer. Yeah. It's the hardest thing for me to get my clients to do. Um, because again, it sounds so simple, very elementary. And some of them are kind of adverse to the yoga or, you know, that that's not them, especially my professional women. And I understand that, but, um, it is, it is 
you know, a game changer because it's a conversation with our brain. And when your heart rate slows down, your brain interprets that you're safe and you're okay. And it stops surging you with cortisol and adrenaline and noradrenaline and all these things that can really just make us feel on edge throughout the day. So it's effective and it's short and it costs nothing. Claire Hogan, thank you for the wonderful advice as usual. It was great talking to you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Carol. You're the best. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. We'll be back right after these messages. Our next guest on WJR's Healthy Woman Show is Dr. Gary Edelson. Dr. Edelson is a Beaumont endocrinologist. His practice is called Associated Endocrinologist. It's located in Farmington Hills. He's also on the National Board of the American Association of Endocrinologists. And Dr. Carroll is a huge fan of Dr. Edelson. Dr. Edelson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I just you know, wanted to bring you on to talk about bone health because let me tell you, as you, as you said before, when we've talked, it's a silent illness, silent disease. And, and I just feel like it's important to address it for women who are sedentary now, that they're in the pandemic, they're not moving around as much, and are they taking care of their bones? So um, Anne and I have a few questions for you. And the first one is, uh, why did bone growth interest you so much that, that uh, I know you go around talking about bone health. Why, why is it so important to you? Uh, I actually, when I, I moved to uh, D- the Detroit area from Washington, D.C., I, I trained at Henry Ford Hospital for my fellowship. And at Henry Ford Hospital at the time, it was one of the premier institutions in the country for bone health. So uh, I, I had the good fortune of training with people who were pioneers in the, in the field of osteoporosis management, parathyroid disease, calcium disorders, uh, and became very interested in, in bone health as, as a general uh, interest in endocrinology for myself. Um, at, subsequent to that, I was at Wayne State University for about 12 years and, and continued my interest in osteoporosis management and now in private practice, it, the beat goes on. Awesome. So, so let me ask you this. When do we reach our maximum bone density? And, and what can we do to make it the, the strongest bones ever? How much time do we have to keep that bone density as high as we can get it to prevent osteoporosis? And we actually reach our, our peak, peak bone mass. We call it peak bone mass somewhere between the ages of 18 and 25. And that's for men and women. And it's fairly stable from then on until menopause for women when they start to have accelerated bone loss. And a woman in early menopause can lose two to 3% of her bone density each year. So you see a fairly quick decline in bone density in early postmenopausal women. And then later postmenopausal, later years, they lose it about a half to 1% per year. And it's an ongoing process. Early on, women uh, who, who go through menopause are more at risk for wrist fractures, forearm fractures, uh, later on, spine fractures, and then even after that, it's hip fractures. And then, unless they have a condition that predisposes them to osteoporosis, like hypogonadism, low testosterone, or they're on steroid treatment or some other condition that we'll talk about in a moment that can cause osteoporosis, men gradually lose at a much slower rate after the age of 70 or 75. Well, that's a, that's a question I was going to ask you, is what are the differences between women and men? So, so unless a man has a very unique health history or medical history, they're going to be less likely to suffer uh, from osteoporosis than women. And, and, and what is osteoporosis anyway, for, for our listeners? Great question, Carol. So 
Osteoporosis is a process by where the bones become thinner. And typically it's because of estrogen deficiency, which is what menopause is. You know, the ovaries shut down, woman no longer has adequate estrogens in their, in their circulation and the bones react to that and become thinner. When the bones become thinned, they can get to a critical point where they actually become quite fragile. And that's when uh, a woman will know that she has osteoporosis because of, because of fragility fractures, we call them. And a fragility fracture is a fracture that occurs with minimal trauma and usually from a standing height. So if a woman's walking and she slips and falls and breaks her wrist, that's a, that's a fragility fracture. If you're up on a ladder and you fall four feet to the ground, that's not a fragility fracture, that's a traumatic fracture. So any, anyone of your listeners who has had a fragility fracture of any kind, spine, hip, forearm, that's osteoporosis. And I have patients that come in and say, oh, my mother fractured her hip, but she never had a bone density, so we never found out if she was osteoporotic or not, but she had osteoporosis. If grandma broke, if mom broke her hip, she had osteoporosis. And, and that brings me to our next point, which is how do you diagnose osteoporosis? It's on the basis, basis of a bone density test, which is an x-ray procedure. A patient lays on a table and the x-ray beam goes through the, through the bones and they can measure the, actually the density of the bone from the differential of the energy in and energy out through the bone. So it's a certain, it's a, it's a um, computer an, an, analytical method for diagnosing osteoporosis. You don't need to have a fracture to make an osteoporosis diagnosis. You just need a bone density test. I would like to know how you treat it. What's the smartest way to treat osteoporosis? Yeah, the smartest way, Anne, is, is through prevention. So uh, your young listeners out there, even if you have you know, young women, uh, premenopausal women, 18 to, 18 to 50, uh, that's when they need to start really thinking about their bone health and, and doing the right thing. So what is the right thing? Getting adequate calcium and taking your diet making sure that your vitamin D levels are adequate. And that comes from sunlight and uh, vitamin D in our diet, but mostly from supplements. Most people in Michigan, we just don't get enough sunlight and we need to take vitamin D supplements. Uh, and, and regular repetitive weight-bearing activity. You know, I tell my patients, you don't have to become a weightlifter, you don't have to become a, a long distance runner, you just have to walk 15 to 20 minutes, three to five times a week is good for the bones. Repetitive weight-bearing, playing a tennis, playing sports, you know, where you're on your feet is good. Swimming is great for the heart, great for the muscles, but unfortunately it's not very good for the bones. So you have to bear weight to help the bones. Once you have a diagnosis of osteoporosis, and then, then there are medications that we can talk about if you want. And what are the best medications for that? So there's two broad categories of medication for osteoporosis. There's anti-resorptive therapies. And what that means is those are medications that will stop the breakdown of bone any further. They may increase the bone density a little bit, but mostly they're they're designed to prevent further bone loss and prevent the um, future fractures or prevent fractures to begin with. Then there's a the other broad category is called anabolic therapies. Those are injectable therapies that build new bone. The brand names of those are Forteo, Timlos, and Evinity. The anti-resorptive drugs your audience may know as Fosamax, Actinel, Boniva, Reclast, and Prolia, and any Vista. So you indicated earlier, talking to Dr. Carroll, that when grandma has a, a problem or it appears that she has a problem, broke a hip or whatever, it's more likely that mom or mom's children will have a problem too. Why are some families, some people more susceptible to osteoporosis and others don't have it at all? Yeah, that's an excellent question that maybe we don't know exact, the exact answer to. But I can tell you that there is a familiar preponderance to developing osteoporosis. So if your mother or your sister or your grandmother, first degree or immediate second degree relatives have osteoporosis, you are at increased risk. There's probably some genetic 
factors that we just don't really understand so well. Um, a lot of it has to do with body habitus, right? So the thinner patients, let we say generally less than 126 pounds, that puts you at risk for osteoporosis. So obese patients, you know, they tend to have other problems. It's not so much osteoporosis. They'll get into trouble with diabetes and high blood pressure. So the best thing is to stay, to have an ideal body weight so you're not too thin or not too heavy. Um, women who go through an early menopause are at risk. Women who have lifelong low calcium intake, vitamin D deficiency, anybody who's been exposed to steroids in their lifetime has an increased risk. Too much thyroid hormone. Uh, if they're a smoker, that's an increased risk. And a propensity to falling puts them at increased risk. Is there anything, Dr. Adelson, that, that we could do with regard to our diets? I know you mentioned supplements, getting more calcium, but what about just good, healthy eating? Uh, it's fairly specific for bone health. You know, you have to have calcium in your diet to help the bones. Other things don't are, are not as um, <clears throat> not as significant. Although one couple things that may be significant, other than taking an adequate amount of calcium in your diet, salt too much salt in the diet can be detrimental to the bones because if you you pee out the extra salt, it drags calcium with it, so that can cause some thinning of the bones. And some there's some data that suggests that high protein diets are bad for the bones. Like very high protein diets. But other than that, it's just a matter of getting adequate calcium. And there is some also some controversy in, as far as calcium supplements goes. It looks like supplements could potentially increase the risk of coronary calcium buildups. So you, I, I much prefer to tell my patients to get their calcium through dietary sources. So this is why as soon as he as soon as you did my podcast, I went out and got a lot of ice cream. No. <laughs> I, I hate milk. I hate milk, hate milk, hate milk. But um, so I was never that kid who who like wanted that tall glass of, you know, but I got, you know, there's oat milk, there's almond milk, uh, cheese, uh, yogurts. So I did. I seriously, I, I did pay more attention to you, uh, Dr. Edelson, after our podcast. And I got some very great, you know, cheeses. So now I'll have, you know, cheese and crackers. And, 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 it, and you don't need a lot. Um, I think there's like one serving of of uh, uh, yogurt can give like a third of your calcium, a few uh, cubes of cheese can do it. So, you know, I think there is that possibility to get it in your diet and uh, it gives us the excuse to kind of indulge in some of those, uh, some of those little luxuries of um, occasional ice cream or frozen yogurt or whatever. Right. Yeah, we say generally each serving of dairy is about 300 milligrams of calcium. You should get about uh, 1200 milligrams of calcium a day. So three or four servings of dairy or you can just take one or two servings and supplement a small amount of calcium if you need to. Dr. Gary Addison, thank you so much for your great advice today. It was nice to meet you. All right, Dan. You've been listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. On behalf of my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, I'm Ann Thomas. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a great night. The Healthy Woman Show with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk has been presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health.